This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by our brand new free guide, Shave 10 Hours Off Your Work Week. In this in-depth, action-focused guide, you'll discover why it feels like you don't have enough time and how to reclaim 10 hours each week. Get your free guide today at leadtowin shave. Yeah, being specific about that feedback makes it possible for your teammate, team member, to replicate that behavior. Yes. Hi, I'm Megan Hyatt-Miller, and this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. Today, I am back from sabbatical. Woohoo! And I am so excited to be back with you guys. I missed y'all. I really did. And if you're wondering where my dad is, um, he is out on sabbatical for the entire summer for his first ever three month long sabbatical. So when he gets back, we will for sure do an episode, share some takeaways about our experiences. I'm going to be really excited to hear kind of how that's gone and what he's learned. So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, I'm going to be hosting a series of exciting conversations with some really special guests that I have handpicked from inside our company. And today I'm joined by my friend and our chief coaching officer, Michelle Kashat. Hey, for those of you who've been around for a while, that name's going to sound familiar because Michelle was the co-host of our earlier podcast with my dad, This Is Your Life. So she is very familiar to a lot of you. Uh, Michelle is responsible for all aspects of the development and management of our executive coaching and corporate training programs, where we now serve around 700 business owner clients and executives. And since some of you are going to ask if you want more information on executive coaching or corporate training, you can find out about that at leadto.win slash coaching. Uh, Michelle has really enabled us to build a phenomenal program for our clients, thanks to her skills as a tremendous visionary and a masterful, and when I say masterful, I mean masterful builder of systems and people, which is really a unique combination, those two things. So Michelle, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Me too. Oh my goodness. This is so much fun. I'm going to do my best to try to stay focused and not have too many bunny trails, okay? (laughs) I make no no promises. That's half the fun. (laughs) Well, as I was telling uh, our producer, Nick, before we got started, Michelle and I love hanging out together, so we're just really going to try to to keep it under control for this episode and not get too out of control, but it's going to be a really fun one. So, Michelle, before we jump into the content, which is going to be great today, I'd love for you to just tell our audience a little bit more about yourself in case they're new around here and don't know you from the previous podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you've already talked about what I do professionally at Michael Hyatt Company. Personally, I'm married to Troy. We live in Colorado, halfway in between Denver and Colorado Springs. The mountains are in my blood. So like my favorite thing to do is go hike a mountain, preferably by myself with my dog and my AirPods in listening to a book. We have six kids. Every time I that say that, typo, right? <laughs> every time I say that out loud, I think I get a little bit older and tired. Every time <laughs> I say that, six kids, ages. 29, 27, 24, 15, 14, 14. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I like to tell people that although the pandemic was hard for everyone, I endured the pandemic with three 13 year olds at home. And I yeah. feel like yeah. I should get some kind of special accommodation. 
Uh, absolutely you should. Hashtag send wine. <laughs> <laughs> lots and lots of wine. So that gives you a little bit about me. I love coaching. I mean, I, like in my heart of hearts, I love developing people and yep. helping to see the best potential in them and call it out. And that's what coaching is all about. Well, that is really, I think, an understatement because you have taken that passion personally and your professional background and you've brought that to our coaching program. And it's just been amazing to watch both your team develop and our clients under your leadership. So it's been really fun to have been friends with you, but now get to be friends and work together. So it makes every day fun. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Could not imagine anything better. Okay, so today we're going to talk about encouragement and why it's an essential tool for creating a culture of top performance in your organization. You know, this applies, by the way, whether you're a CEO or an executive like Michelle and I are leading a whole company or a team or just leading one or two people. And honestly, this applies even to aspiring leaders because a skilled encourager becomes a natural motivator of people, which is critical for leadership. So when you really hone this ability to encourage your team, you suddenly have honestly a superpower at your disposal. Um, Through encouragement, you can literally call out the greatness in the people that you're leading and serving. But I think the question becomes, how can you best encourage your team for maximum effect? You know, how can you go from being kind of random about it and not that intentional to really intentional? Um, so today we're going to show you how you can integrate encouragement into your leadership style by following these five simple guidelines. So Michelle, will you start by just talking about what encouragement is? Yeah, absolutely. We kind of use throw around the term encouragement. And at times I think we've let it become too commonplace, almost like right. a, fl- a fluffy thing. Like we're just being... Um, fluffy and, you know, just like flattery, but that's not really what encourage is at its core. So you kind of have to break the word down. This isn't hard, but if you break encourage into two parts, it comes from in courage, I N courage. In other words, in, when you encourage something, you help them to operate in a place of courage. So it's to inspire. Um, to put spirits or hope into somebody to spur on or stim- stimulate in a very short way of capturing this is when you encourage somebody, you help them to be stronger. So it's a yeah. way of to make strong, to make somebody else strong. And none of us would say, Oh, I don't have any desire to make my teammates stronger. I want them to be weaker. I mean, we would never say that. Right. But it's so funny when we start talking about encouragement as leaders, we tend to make that a fluffy term and it's not. Yeah. It's actually a very empowering term. And if you want to have a strong, capable, productive team, then and encouragement needs to be a daily part of your operations as a leader. Well, I totally agree. And this bears out in my experience. You know, one of the things that's interesting about a high growth team or a high performance team, which we hear a lot about, we talk a lot about on this podcast, is that if you really have a high performing team, you are pursuing goals initiatives, objectives that are probably outside of everybody's comfort zone. That's true for you as a leader. That's true for the people you're leading. Everybody is pushing the edge 
of how far they've been. They're doing things maybe for the first time, which certainly is a setup for the opposite of courage, right? For self-doubt. Mm-hmm. And so I think that if you're going to expect maximum performance from your team, you really have to get good at helping to build their confidence because yes. the confidence is one of the, the number one practical ways that we're able to head out and overcome our fear, you know, to act with confidence and other people's belief in us and their ability to communicate that through encouragement is one of the best ways to um, really kind of give that shot in, in the arm to your team so that they can act with courage, um, which I think is absolutely necessary for doing big things. Um, you have to think of it in terms of, uh, I've been watching the Olympics and, you know, athletes yeah. running, doing track and field, and you watch them run these races uh, and they run all out, right? They are strong. They go run out, but they don't run without recuperation. Yeah. So they do this, but they have to do things in order to make themselves strong in between that. And often in a professional space, especially high achieving environments, we want our people to be like machines that are just working hard all the time. And we don't allow them time, but also then contribute to their recovery and uh, them being stronger. And if encouragement is to make strong, that has to be a part of helping to equip them to go out and perform at a high level. I think that's a really great point because there's a kind of emotional recovery that is a a psychological recovery that's a part of what you're talking about. Certainly we think of, we talk a lot about here, the necessity of taking PTO, resting, rejuvenating, all of that. But there's also that mental psychological component. And that's where I think encouragement is easily underestimated. You know, Michelle, as you were talking about this definition of encourage and encouragement, I was thinking about my own experiences with this. And I have to say, even though he's not here today, probably the best encourager I know is my dad. Uh, I really think that this is a superpower of his. And I can think of so many times when as a leader, I mean, you know, separate it from the daughter part, that's true also, but, you know, more relevant to the, what we're talking about today, where as a leader, I've had to face something really difficult, you know, something I wasn't sure I could get through. I wasn't sure if I had the capability, you know, it was, it was new for me or whatever. And probably every time I see him, whether it's one of those times or in general, he always says, you're doing great. You're doing great. And it, and I can tell he means it, you know, that he's not, uh-huh. he's not just like, Hey, see you next time. You know, like, like it's a meaningful, heartfelt thing that he says. And he also really normalizes it for me when mm-hmm. I have a lack of courage, when I feel anxious, when I feel scared about something big that I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of like, Oh yeah, that's normal. Everybody feels like that. It's like, Oh really? Okay. <laughs> well then uh, other people are, are getting through it. So I guess I'm going to be able to get through it too. And it really does make me strong. And I would say of all the people in my life, you know, besides Joel, my husband, who's also an amazing encourager, you know, professionally, my dad has really been and the biggest cheerleader in this way. And it inspires me to want to be like that with the people that I lead. 100%. Well, I have a story. I have a story about your dad's encouragement. Are you ready for this? I don't yeah. think I've ever shared this publicly. And he oh, may good. not He may not even remember this. So, uh, <laughs> so back in the day, early 2000, probably 2010 or so, 2012, I, I wanted to be a writer. Now, if you know me and follow me now, I've already written three books. But at that point in time, I was not published at all. And I had put together a proposal and your dad and I had worked on a couple different projects together and he offered to review it and advocate for it, you know, being that he's in the publishing industry. Well, let me tell you, 
there were months into this, lots of work. I got so thoroughly rejected by his contacts. So not only did he advocate for me and let a publisher know that he really thought there was good yeah. potential here, um, they thought it was just so terrible that I got very thoroughly rejected. And your dad oh. was the one to call me and let me know, hey, they didn't go for it. Um, oh, so I, this was Thomas Nelson. So his own Thomas company. Nelson, but he oh, wasn't no. there. He wasn't there oh, anymore. Okay. He was, okay. but he had just made the contact. This is Got what it. I want you to know. He called me. I still remember where I was sitting. I was sitting on the carpet in my bedroom. And of course I was all emotional because I had so thoroughly failed. Right. And I was trying to be tough and I was trying to be professional oh. and he was delivering this hard news, but he did it in a way that made me strong. So he gave me the hard news, but also encouraged me not to give up and to use it as a learning opportunity and to make it better. And as a result of that, and that again, it was a very authentic encouragement in a key yeah. moment. I was able then, after I recovered and picked up my ego off the floor, <laughs> uh, right. revise that whole proposal. And it ended up becoming my first book with a different publisher, wow. but it ended up being an amazing book. And you know, I sold thousands and thousands of copies. Um, yeah. but that was a, that's a great example of well-timed encouragement that's authentic mm -hmm. and sincere that actually made me strong to do what needed to happen next. Yeah. This is so powerful. And I think what you're saying there is that when we have seasons where you're navigating a personal challenge or there's crisis management or other kinds of rapid change and growth, the really, I mean, th what all those things have in common is, insecurity, right? Moments yeah. of fear, moments of self-doubt, moments of insecurity. That's when encouragement is needed most. And this is where the good self-awareness of a leader and their emotional intelligence will enable them to pick up on that and then come in and deliver encouragement, you know, kind of surgically in a way that is really, yes. really powerful. So let's get to it. Let's talk about the five simple guidelines for effective encouragement. Why don't you start us off, Michelle? You got it. Guideline number one, be authentic. Okay. Now this should go without saying, but you have to tell the truth. Encouragement that is false is not encouragement at all. Right. In fact, it accomplishes the opposite, right? Mm -hmm. So people can sniff out a fake encourager or fake compliment without much effort. All right. So don't even waste your time being fake. That's flattery. Nobody likes meaningless flattery. It's just a waste of air. So mm -hmm. I like to think of flattery being like cotton candy. It disappears the moment <laughs> you taste it, right? It yep. has no lasting power. It doesn't do anything to really make you feel better or stronger. It actually makes things worse. So instead, you need to do the work of finding authentic encouragement, things that mm. you genuinely appreciate and value in each member of your team. Now, that mm. said, you may have people on your team that it's a little bit challenging to find things that you genuinely yeah. value. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's nobody on this podcast listening right now, but there are, there are situations where you struggle. But the thing is, is as a leader, your job is to search for authentic, true, positive qualities in your people yeah. um, and then call it forth. Yeah, I think that's really important. It reminds me of parenting kids. And I think there are so many parallels between parenting and leadership. I actually think that parenting is one of the best uh, training grounds for leadership for this uh -huh. reason, you know, but, but so often I think about right now I have uh, two of my kids are 13 and 11 and, you know, 
that's a tough age. Those are those are hard ages, as we all know, Michelle. (laughs) And sometimes it can be very hard to find things to encourage them in. And yet, what I know is that when I practice catching them, getting things right, not always focusing on what's wrong, I get more. My mom always says this, you know, I get more of what I notice in them. And I think that's true for employees too. Obviously, if there's a performance issue, you got to deal with that. But but I think that encouragement can go a long way in um, improving performance not just um, really optimizing and kind of getting the next level, you know, with already strong performers. For those who struggle to find something positive with someone, and we all have moments where, you know, mm-hmm. we're just getting irritated or annoyed. One of the great places to start to look for a positive quality is often in a weakness because there's often a symbiotic relationship between strengths yeah. and weaknesses. So whatever that thing is that's annoying you or bothering you, and I'm not talking about performance issues, but like just a behavior, try to see if you can reframe it and see how that's actually bringing a benefit that you hadn't considered before. It still may warrant a conversation or a corrective conversation, but often those kind of things actually are a good springboard to finding something that you value. Well, for example, if you have someone who is really risk averse on your team, and every time you think of a great idea, they're constantly bringing up why that won't work, you know, now, that can be unproductive, depending particularly on what level of the organization yes. they're at. However, that person is probably also keeping you out of trouble in some really important ways. <laughs> yeah. And you do need people like that on your team, yeah. you know? And this was kind of a hard lesson for me to learn because it used to just bug the heck out of me. You know, like, why aren't you on board with my awesome ideas, you know, and ready to go do all this big change, you know? And and the truth is, is that the people that God has put on our team, mm-hmm. and oftentimes these people show up in places like finance, operations, customer experience, things like that, really keep you out of trouble because they see things that you can't see because that's not your orientation, you yeah. know? And so it really is worth encouraging, even if sometimes you have to coach some of the other stuff as well. So I love that one. It can be, you know, in many ways, it's a way of, first of all, you call out the the value that you appreciate, the way that it's contributed yep. in a positive way, but then you can also help. That's how encouragement ends up helping to redirect at times something that's a weakness in a healthy way. That's how it really makes the individual stronger, but then makes your team stronger as well. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Well, that leads nicely into guideline number two, which is to be specific. So a lot of times when we're giving encouragement, maybe we feel a little awkward because there's a a sense of vulnerability Mm -hmm. about giving someone encouragement. And so we do it where... The compliment or the the encouragement is kind of vague, you know, and what happens when you have vague or nonspecific encouragement is it just doesn't land very hard, you know, it doesn't, doesn't resonate as being authentic, you know, and so one of the ways to kind of operationalize that guideline number one of being authentic is to use number two, which is to be specific. So that looks like looking for specific behaviors, specific attitudes, specific actions that you can acknowledge and call out. You know, I think about times when Erin Perry, who's my chief of staff, when I've had to say she's done a lot of work on something and then, you know, some circumstance will come up and I'll have to say, actually, I don't want to do it like that. I want to do it like this. And that means a lot of work for her. And I'm telling you what, every single time she's like, no problem. 
I'll, you know, got it. I'm on it. I mean, she just, she's like <laughs> unflappable. She is endlessly flexible and she really is able to be in the middle of a high stakes situation, take feedback or, you know, a change in direction, integrate it and run with it and produce an amazing product, whatever it is that I need. Yeah. And, you know, I'm so grateful for that in her because that's so much a part of the work that she does with me. But that's kind of what I'm talking about is what specifically, it's not just, you know, hey, thanks for your, you know, your can-do attitude. It's like, specifically, here are the things that you did that I'm so grateful for, you know, and we had a situation like that this week. And I, I shared some encouragement with her about that, because I was just, I really felt grateful. And I actually think that gratitude may be one of the easiest ways to connect with this, yeah. um, as you're trying to think of, okay, what are the the specific behaviors, attitudes, and actions that I want to acknowledge and call out? If you think about what you're really grateful for with that person, what they do that is a, a major contribution to your team, your organization, or to you personally, that that's helpful. You know, I think yeah. to to kind of getting the clarity you need, and it just takes maybe another minute or two to have that clarity, but it makes all the difference in how mm -hmm. valuable the encouragement is and how effective it is at making the person who is the recipient strong, as you said at the beginning. Yeah, being specific about that feedback makes it possible for your teammate, team member to replicate that behavior. Yes. So for yes. example, I could look at my client care team and say, you guys are really good at customer service. That's right. very general. It's true, but it's very general. But then I can also look at them and say, Kristen, when you're on the phone with a client and you listen to what they say and validate it right away before you go into problem solving mode, you create such an environment of safety and empathy. I love how you do that. It's yeah, so right. powerful. Right. Uh, that That's totally different. Totally, totally different. And now when she moves forward, first of all, she's going to remember exactly what I said, like what I called out. And she's going to then step up and want to replicate that over and over and over again as she does her job. Right. Right. Because I've made it clear. It's so much different than saying you have great customer service. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it really is. And part of what we're trying to do is provide more and more clarity around our expectations. And as my husband, Joel, often says, you know, take things that are implicit, which is usually where the, the land of expectations lives, mm -hmm. and make them explicit. So you kind of get a double benefit here of on the one hand, this is more meaningful to the person you're encouraging. But on the other hand, it's really a template for the future so that they can align their behavior with what you've said you wanted in a way that really sets them up to win. And I love that. Let's go on. We've talked it so far. Guideline one, be authentic. Guideline two, be specific. But now we're going to get even more practical. Guideline three, connect whatever encouragement you're offering to your vision and goals. Connect yeah. it to your vision and goals. And this is what I mean. When you offer that encouragement, especially in a professional environment, connect it to the overall mission or the goals or the vision of the company so your people see how they are specifically contributing to the success of the organization. Yep. Right? What this does is it gives your people a sense of purpose and meaning around their day-to-day yep. -day job. So when they show up and go to work, they're not just going to a job. They're actually contributing yep. to a purpose. And it gives everything they do a sense of meaning and significance. And that's mm -hmm. what people are so hungry for. 
Yeah, I think that is huge. Um, there's a lot of research about this, actually, that engagement has to do with a sense of being a part of something bigger than yourself and making a meaningful contribution to that. And one of the things that um, I have noticed over the years is there are people who tend to be in more back office kind of roles, you know, supportive functions in the business, whether that is your executive assistant team or your finance team, operations, where it can feel kind of disconnected sometimes from the the quote unquote mission of the organization where they're not on the front lines with clients. They're not out there delivering the product or the content. And it can be easy for those things to get really separated, you know? Yes. And, and I think it's important as leaders for us to draw the connection between every single role in our company and the outcome that we are focused on delivering to our customers, you know, through our yeah. mission and our vision. And the truth is they all relate or we wouldn't have those people working for us. You yeah, know, like totally. we, we know that as leaders. I mean, we have to make a business case for why we need people in all of those roles, mm -hmm. including the supportive, you know, the kind of business support roles. But sometimes we fail to, um, as I've often said that Joel, my husband says, you know, show our work, right? Like we, we don't show the connections for people and they're less obvious uh, for people who are not at the very top of the organization and have that vantage point where they can see everything, you know? Yeah, so totally. I think this one is really, really important. You know, a task is a task. It doesn't have meaning unless you connect it to a bigger purpose. So, you know, back to the kids example, if I tell them to wash their, their dinner plates, <laughs> it's just <laughs> a task. And unless I say, what would happen after a week of six people, eight people not washing their dinner plates and all of this, you know, they see the bigger purpose. You know, that's right. a very small example, but obviously it plays out that much bigger. One way I've done this, even in the last 24 hours is I, my team and I are on a group Voxer uh -huh. channel. And so we do Voxers back and forth. And I gave them a homework assignment last night. And I said, I need each of you to reflect on the last two months and tell me how you have made, like what contribution you have made to get our team to where we are today that you're most proud of and share it. I said, you can't text it. You have to use your voice. I want you to hear yourself say it out loud. Wow. And we did this in a group. And what was interesting is it's hard to do. It's hard to say this. Yeah, is it's my, vulnerable. It's vulnerable. But they did it. And then we then have counteracted by coming back and say, but we also see you doing this and this. This is how what you're doing is impacting the overall mission of the company and our team. And we could not do this without you. And creating that... that yeah, my team, I hope, feels energized today because they're starting to see that what they're doing is making a difference. I love that. That reminds me, Michelle, I know we need to move on to our next one here, but I got to tell this story. We did a special dinner for our executive team at the kind of beginning of this year, celebrating a big financial goal that we had achieved together, along, of course, with our teams, um, you know, for uh, 2020. And the assignment that I gave you guys as executives was to think about the contribution that each of the other executives had, had made, you know, what was it about their leadership that had enabled us to achieve that mm -hmm. goal? And what was really cool about it was it was just like a massive fire hose of encouragement <laughs> and what we've talked about of calling out what people had done right, being specific, connecting it with the goal, being authentic. And, you know, there were several points when we were all in tears. It was so meaningful. And so one of the kind of pro tip here that you can do is, and I think you did this with your team, is getting people to acknowledge each other and encourage each other, not just have it be from leader to direct report or to, you know, his or her team is another really 
powerful way Mm -hmm. to lead encouragement without necessarily being the one to do it. Guideline number four is to balance encouragement with candor. This is kind of the hard one. I'm going to be honest. This is the one where many of us probably have some room to grow. And maybe even, Michelle, why sometimes we avoid encouragement because we feel like there's some unresolved other issue that needs to be dealt with. And so we just don't do either one. You know, we kind of stay in this place of doing Mm -hmm. neither. Um, But what we know is that when we constantly encourage without providing candid feedback, that it becomes difficult for our people to trust us because they start to wonder, are you just being nice? Yes. Is this really about you (laughs) making sure I like you? You know, and honestly, (laughs) that can be the motivation. I mean, Mm -hmm. I have fallen into that myself for sure, where really I'm getting something out of encouraging but not providing candor. But being a leader who speaks directly and truthfully even when giving hard to hear feedback is what ultimately builds trust. You know, um, you and I have had this conversation a number of different times about how we want to be the kind of leaders who have short accounts with the people that we're mm-hmm. leading. And this yeah. is true with so peers true. that you work with. Certainly it's true, you know, in your marriage, you know, that's mm-hmm. a little side note, but that that's true <laughs> there as well. Um, but it's true with your boss. It's true. It's true in all your relationships, right? Like we don't want to yeah. wonder Is there something you haven't told me? I mean, I always want the people I'm leading to feel like, hey, if I haven't talked to you about something, there's nothing to talk about. And if there Mm -hmm. is something to talk about, you're going to hear about it right away and you don't even need to worry about it unless I'm talking to you about it. You know, it just creates a huge environment of trust. So tell me what Mm -hmm. you think about that. Yeah. You know, one thing that we do as a company is we we don't save feedback for annual reviews. Our approach is that we give feedback, positive, negative throughout the year. We we talk about it when we see it. We don't save it up and then dump it on the person at their annual reviews. Right. But that kind of authentic back and forth feedback, uh, both positive and uh, constructive candor feedback is what really creates this culture of confidence that I think we've really built here. Uh, Mm -hmm. One of our teammates has said, and I've quoted this many, many times, that Michael Hyatt and company is the safest place to fail. Wow. And I I love that. Part of that, isn't that great? It's the safest place to fail. And I think part of that is that we do keep short accounts and we offer both candor and encouragement in our dialogue. The reality is, and I can get really passionate about this, is all of us are human. Every single one of us has room for growth. We all have our baggage. We all have our things, our behaviors, our attitudes, our actions that are not ideal. We all have it. And no matter how old we are or how much experience we are, we will never be beyond the need for feedback. And so that feedback, when we're also in an environment with authentic, specific vision and goal tied in encouragement, is just a fantastic place to feel like you can bring all of yourself, like you can be a whole person, bring your whole self to your work. I agree with that. And I also think it helps people accept encouragement without distrusting it, you know, because um, there's a vulnerability in accepting encouragement. Like, you know, can I really trust that this is what you say it is, and there's not kind of something behind the surface that Mm -hmm. a yes, but kind of moment, you know? And so I think this 
this whole marriage of encouragement and candid feedback enables people to feel safe, to trust, to be vulnerable in both directions as leader and as recipient of encouragement. So I love that. Okay, we're ready for our last guideline. Michelle, you want to take us there? All right. Final guideline is to be sensitive to the individual. So if encouragement is truly designed to make the other person strong, okay, we go back to that initial definition. If its purpose is to make the other person strong, then do it in a context that truly is going to be a benefit for them. Mm. So for example, some people do not really enjoy or benefit from public affirmation. It's embarrassing or uncomfortable for them, or they'll have a hard time receiving it. Some people really thrive on public affirmation. Mm -hmm. Um, Other people, it's just about timing, right? Certain times are better times to receive encouragement. Uh, You and I were even talking yesterday. I'm Mm -hmm. at a place of a little bit of fatigue. I'm on the verge of PTO. Um, I'm tired. Well, just the fact that I'm tired, the timing of my ability to receive either candor or encouragement right now is kind of like I have minimal processing power in my brain right now. (laughs) Right, right. Like even- Your battery is at that low point. Yeah, it's at the low point. So think, you know, as a leader, be smart. Think about the individual. Would they appreciate, would this encouragement give them the biggest boost at this time or maybe a different time in this environment or a different environment? How can I deliver this in such a way that it's going to have the maximum impact for the person I'm delivering it to? Yeah, I I think that's critically important. And that's one of those ones that, I can find really easy to forget to think about, you know, it's never intentional, but it's easy to forget to think about that. And all of this is leading up to how do we accomplish the outcome of actual encouragement, of helping to bring somebody into a state of courage using our words. And so uh, assessing the kind of emotional state of someone, their preferences, how introverted or extroverted they are, those kinds of things are really important. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, one of the things that I think can be a great tool here is sending notes. Um, And I love Mm -hmm. to send handwritten notes. I love to send them to people's homes because then if they're uh, married or they have a family, you know, they are able to share that. It kind of becomes like a little private but sort of public acknowledgement and can be something that they can look at a number of different times. But that can be another option for how to encourage besides saying it to their face or sending them a message or a text um, or an email, you know, that it can feel very personal but an intimate, but also there's an, an element of public celebration yeah. if they're living in a home with other people who might see it as well, or even if they just might stick it on their bathroom mirror, you know? I have well, notes from my dad that I've saved for years that are like that. Yeah. I have one from you. You sent me within three months of working here that's right here in my file cabinet right next to me, a handwritten note. And what was so powerful for me, like my family doesn't pay any attention to that. They don't even know really what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Especially those teenagers. They don't really I know. Care they don't care. They don't know what I do. Uh, but for me, having the actual written words where I could read the words versus hearing, there's yeah. something about yeah. reading it for me that had a bigger impact than hearing yeah. it. I agree. And so, yeah, I still have it. It's I've had it for, wow. what, 16 months now or whatever, and sitting right here in my drawer. Wow. I love that. That's a great story. 
Well, that wraps up all of our guidelines for how to effectively encourage the people that are on your team. I'm gonna review these real quick. Guideline number one is to be authentic. Guideline number two is to be specific. Guideline number three is to connect it to vision and goals. And guideline number four is to balance it with candor. And finally, guideline number five is to be sensitive to the individual. So Michelle, what final thoughts do you have about encouragement? Well, uh, I'd like to speak to all those overachievers that feel like these (laughs) all have to be done before they give encouragement. You know who you are. Uh, You're not always going to get it right. You're not going to always check off all five of these boxes. It is better to give encouragement, even in the moment, even if you don't do it perfectly, than to neglect it altogether. So start somewhere. Just start somewhere. If this is hard for you or you're afraid that you're going to do it wrong, just take that expectation off the table and realize simply speaking encouragement into somebody's life is going to energize them and give them life. So start somewhere. I love that. And you know, if that is you and you're maybe feeling a little overwhelmed, I would focus on guideline number one, be authentic and guideline number two, be specific. If you can master those two, the rest are pretty easy and you can build on it over time. So, well, Michelle, thank you for joining me today. This has been so fun to have you on. I just love anytime I get to spend with you. And hey, I think we were pretty good together. We didn't get too much trouble. (laughs) We didn't get too wild and crazy. I make no guarantees about the next time, but this time we were well behaved. This time we were well behaved. That's right. (laughs) And thank you guys for joining us here today. It's so good to be back with you. And until next week, lead to win. This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by our brand new free guide, Shave 10 Hours Off Your Work Week. In this in-depth, action-focused guide, you'll discover why it feels like you don't have enough time and how to reclaim 10 hours each week. Get your free guide today at leadto.win slash shave.